Recently, there was a sixth grade class of a school that had all boys. And the science teacher of that particular class wanted to show the boys how a microscope worked to show them what it's like to actually be able to see things that are invisible to the naked eye. And as he began to show them how the microscope worked with the neck and the lenses and the light and the focusing mechanism, he eventually called them forward and said, I'd like you to tell me if you can see what is on the slide or not. And boy after boy came forward, and they were excited because they began to say, I can see it, I can see it, I can see it. They began to give high fives to each other and actually cheer one another on as they began to look in the microscope and see. Because they felt like they were a part of something bigger than themselves. And the last student, whose name was Vincent, came forward. He was rather shy and reserved. And he looked through the microscope and he looked and he looked and he looked and he didn't see anything. And with a look of shame on his face, he told the teacher, I don't don't see anything. It looks completely black to me. All the students, the boys in the class began to laugh at him. You moron, you idiot, you're blind, can't even see The teacher calmed the boys down and said, let me see if I can see it. He looked through the microscope and said, Vincent, I don't see anything either. And he sighed in disappointment because he was actually trying to prove a point. So he looked at the microscope and said, let me take the lens off, cap off of the microscope. Every student lied about being able to see, but only one had the courage to admit it and speak up about not being able to see. And the teacher taught everyone a great lesson that day. And Vincent never forgot the importance of being honest when you simply cannot see. And you don't understand when you feel like it's impossible to see. And a few students apologized to Vincent because they had the humility to swallow their pride, but most students didn't apologize. So what about us sitting here today? What if we took off the lens cap from the microscope of our country and even the Catholic Church? I don't think a lot of people want to be as brave as Vincent to admit that they can't see. Or I don't think we have enough people who are as kind and are willing to speak the truth as that sixth grade teacher. So let's look at some statistics to look at the United States first to say we have some problems we have to deal with. Currently in the United States, 52% of homes are fatherless. Sometimes It happens because no fault of their own. There's a death in the family, which is tragic. But most of all, most times, it's not because of that. 70% of homes in the black community are fatherless. And sometimes we wonder, why are there riots? And sadly, in the United States, the rate of divorce is 60% of all marriages are ending in divorce. 
So there just seems to me that there's a desperate cry for authentic fatherhood in our country. And to push the point further and to make you all mad at me because I don't care, let's talk about the Green Bay Packers. And maybe you get excited about that, but personally, I don't care who wins because a team wins a Super Bowl every year and it goes on, but yet we're losing souls hand over fist. Most of the times when people ask me who you're rooting for, I root for the Packers not for the reason for most of you would think. For those of you who work in social work or are involved in law enforcement, you know that when the Packers lose, domestic abuse charges go up 70 to 90% in the state of Wisconsin. What is domestic abuse? That means men are harming their wives physically and their children physically. And they're acting like little boys, throwing a temper tantrum because a team lost a game. Maybe you didn't want to know that fact. But my friends, I think we have to take the lens off the microscope and we need to be brave like Vincent in that classroom and speak the truth. And what about the Catholic Church? I go on and on. I'm not going to get too negative, but let's just be real. Since the Vatican Second Council in the mid-1960s, most of our efforts have absolutely failed. Some changes needed to happen, but let's give a brief assessment about what happened like right before the coronavirus hit. There was a study done by Pew Research, and they found that only 30% of Catholics believe that at Mass they're receiving Jesus body, blood, soul, and divinity. This is a core teaching. We believe that at every single Mass, you receive the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. That means 70% of Catholics are clueless about that, or were never catechized, or never spent enough time in prayer to understand and take the lens off the faith to say, what do we actually believe? So when you come down for communion, when deacon says the body of Christ, or I say the body of Christ, We don't say, hey, sort of kind of like the body of Christ, receive it like a Dorito. No, we make a throne for the living God. Or we receive him on our tongue to say, I do awful things with my hands and I'm not worthy to even touch him. What about all Christians? This statistic was given to me actually like 15 years ago. And it's never not move someone to hear what I'm about to tell you. This goes for anyone who brings their children to church, whether they call it mass as Catholics or service as a Protestant or an evangelical. But when just the mother brings the children to church, the chance of those children remaining Christians the rest of their life is between 5 and 10%. But when the father brings his children the chance of those children remaining lifelong Christians goes up to 50 to 70%. And that is just the impact that the father or a father figure has on children. And it's not to say that women can't make a difference. It's just the point that the father has a deeper impact. You can be a psychologist and know these truths. I'm just not trying to be negative, but I think we need to take the the lens cap off of the microscope and just be real. And I would argue that our answer lies in our need for the holy family that we celebrate of Mary, Joseph, and Jesus 
to become our model, model and to actually specifically beg them, not ask, but beg them for the intercession of St. Joseph to lead us into 2021. And I think very few people understand even what it means to be holy. We hear holy family. I think a lot of people think, oh, that means they're perfect. That means they have lots of money. That means they never argue. That means everything's clean and there's no dust anywhere in their family. But holy does not equal perfection. So if you think holy equals perfection, let's take the lens cap off of that too. Holy actually comes from the word sacred, or in Spanish, sagrada, which means to sacrifice. It's those who sacrifice for something bigger than themselves. To be holy is to be set apart for a sacred mission, to actually renounce the world, to renounce worldliness, to all that is secular. And you and I are called to be holy. St. John Paul II always said, and you can read our catechism, it says all are called to holiness. But I think a lot of people think, ah, holiness is just for the priest or just for the deacon. That's not true. All of us are called to sacrifice. So what I'd like to do right now is to pray and ask for the intercession of St. Joseph because I'd particularly like to preach on him and the importance of his role in your life and my life and how I believe we need him. So if you please join me in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, I ask that your Holy Spirit reveal the power and importance of St. Joseph to everyone here today. Please help us believe the utter importance of St. Joseph as head of the Holy Family. And please, Father, allow us to leave this Mass today with a firm resolution to learn from the head of the Holy Family and the foster father of Jesus and the spouse of Mary. I pray all of this in Jesus' most holy and sacred name. Amen. I don't know if you've ever looked at the life of St. Joseph, but if you really look at his life, which I'm going to do with you right now, I think a lot of you are going to think, holy crap. I have a lot in common with this guy. Just ponder with me for a moment. Just think about when people are asked to do holy things. When I felt called to be a priest, one of my fears was, I'm not worthy. I've done some bad things. You know, if you're called to serve more in the church or to do holy things, a lot of people think that's for the holy people. I'm not really worthy. I've done some bad things. No, Joseph must have felt completely unworthy to do the task before him, to be, the, to be the husband of the mother of God. Are you kidding me? Like, she's the most perfect, beautiful, flawless creation ever. And yeah, God is calling her to be your wife, the most beautiful woman to ever exist. He's like, yeah, I don't feel worthy. Or what about being the foster father or the dad figure for Jesus, God himself? You'd be like, what in the world could I teach God? How could I do anything? I really don't feel worthy of that. Or how, how did Joseph trust God? So much that he was probably willing to be made fun of. Remember that his wife is 
now publicly proclaiming after the birth of Christ and into their life that she's the mother of God. He probably got made fun of a lot for that and probably lost a lot of business because he had to make some moral decisions and people said, I don't want your carpentry work for me anymore. And he's probably wondering, how in the world am I going to provide? Not that anybody here has ever asked that question, right? How did he do it? And how did he die to self by allowing Mary into his entire being? He was asked to do that. And knowing that it would cause controversy, family would probably hate him. People would make fun of him. And how, how did Joseph trust God so much that he was willing that God would actually provide, that God would do it so that he could feed Mary and Jesus. I think a lot of us almost have too much in common with Joseph. When you and I feel helpless and hopeless for what God is doing for us, I think St. Joseph is like, I know exactly what you're going through. And on December 8th, Pope Francis, our Holy Father, declared this to be the year of Joseph. And Joseph teaches us how to lead and how to trust God when you and I feel absolutely helpless and hopeless. Not that anybody in 2020 ever felt hopeless or helpless or confused or angered, right? Oh, wait, we all did, right? He teaches how to pray when we don't want to, even when we don't know how to. And he models for us to place Jesus and Mary first in everything we do. And our world is looking for a lot of help. You could probably name about 80 people right now who are in deep need of help. And I would argue that St. Joseph is one of the most untapped sources of help that you and I are not tapping into. And I believe even as our bishop of our diocese proclaimed this the year of Joseph beginning on March 19th, I think our bishop and Pope Francis are Dead right. You know, Joseph teaches men how to sacrifice and how to serve. So many men are simply not real men because they had no one to show them how to be a man. They were told, oh, it's how much money you make or it's how many girls you get or what kind of clothes you have or how many beers you can drink. And that's not what it means to be a man. Most men in our world today are not men. They're actually just confused little boys. That's why they act immaturely all the time. And most men have just simply never sacrificed anything. And most likely they've never sacrificed everything for God as Joseph did. Spiritually, emotionally, intellectually. Most men, in my estimate, are actually two-year-olds. There's an extreme and absolute necessary need for every man in our church, in our world today, to take Joseph as a model for fatherhood and for women to look to him as to what it means to be a man. So if you're a girl and you're thinking, I'm called to marriage, and you see a, 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 a man and he doesn't have any sacrificial tendencies in his life, he doesn't actually measure up to St. Joseph at all, then your first thing would be to say, bye-bye, <laughs> I'm not wasting my time with you. You know, and it's, it's easy to say that you love Jesus and Mary more than anything, but it's not easy to die to self 
and to sacrifice everything to safeguard the most important treasures that God has given you on earth. So for every man here, you were given a wife, hopefully, and children, and you're called to protect them because the devil hates families. He hates marriage. And I'd like to just specifically just look at, you know, how Joseph had felt it was impossible to do so many things. And if you were here two weeks ago, you would have heard Deacon Bob preach, and he said from the Gospel of Luke, nothing is impossible for God. And I think some of us believe that, but I don't think everybody here believes that, every, that nothing is impossible for God. Joseph must have felt it was impossible to trust, to pray, to provide. And how, how can I be a man for God's own heart when it, it all feels so impossible? And I'm not going to guarantee that if you actually start to measure up with Joseph and ask for his help, it's going to be easy. Because once you start doing it, we have to know that the devil hates Joseph. The devil hates it if anyone is humble like Joseph and is willing to admit that they can't see. And they don't know where God is. And I'd just like to speak to every single man here heart-to-heart as a spiritual father for a moment. And our world needs you to start manning up. You know, it's not easy to be a man in our world today because anything that's done that's quote-unquote traditional to honor women, to open doors for women, is actually spat upon. And Joseph is a model of how to do that. You know, Joseph had to go to Egypt two years after Jesus was born because Herod, who is a symbol of a a demon, he said that every single boy under two years old must be killed and murdered. So an angel came to Joseph just before this happened. You can read it in scripture. And he said, you must flee to Egypt. Joseph didn't speak Egyptian, and to travel from Nazareth to Egypt is not a short jaunt, and also it's not nearly as safe as you and I think it is, and Joseph is a prototype of leading the church into areas of slavery. Egypt is a a symbol of slavery, and you know, we meet so many people that are just enslaved with so many sins. I can't stop looking at social media. I can't stop looking at inappropriate things on the internet. I can't stop drinking insane amounts of alcohol. I can't stop gossiping. That means you are enslaved. You are in Egypt. And Joseph leads the Holy Family, the church, into Egypt to set you free, to get you out so you can go tell other people how to be set free by putting Christ at the center of all you do. To set captives free from their fears, their doubts, their confusion, anger, and also that spirit of self-reliance. Like, spirit of self-reliance is saying, I got this. I don't need your help. Um, Yes, you do. We are all weak and we need Jesus. So we come to know through Joseph that nothing is impossible with God. Nothing. And you have to imagine the impact Joseph had on the life of Jesus. I'm sure his accent sounded a lot like Joseph. His carpentry work looked a lot like Joseph's work. He learned how to have composure when people were making fun of him 
like Joseph did. So it's one thing to be a Christian, and it's another thing to actually leave here with a desire to leave and be a real Christian. You know, just by, just by coming to church, that doesn't make you a Christian. doesn't. Because I could sit in my, in my garage and try to be a car. It doesn't make me a car. I have to actually go do something, right? So I want to invite you to actually go do something this week or into the weeks ahead. I want to invite you to buy a statue of Joseph and honor him this year to actually take what we do here into the home because it's desperately needed. I want you to find an image of, or a statue of Joseph of him and the Christ child. You can go on, you can stop at the, at the parish office. There's plenty of Catholic magazines and bookstores and stores that have these things. But I want you to do it to, first of all, honor Joseph, and then second of all, bring it to Mass. Bring it to church and ask Deacon or myself to bless it. And then bring it into your home and place it in a prominent spot where everyone will see it so that everyone who knows and who walks in your house will know that nothing is impossible for God and that you are dedicating the year to Joseph to either be a better man, to learn how to trust, to learn how to die to self. And each day, I just want you to say a simple prayer with you, yourself and your family. Joseph, help us. And if you live alone, the prayer would be, Joseph, help me. Because God gives us saints to simplify the complexities of our lives. So that everyone will know that through our actions, our words, our deeds, that we know that Joseph is essential in the life of family. And lastly, just think of this. If God in Jesus placed himself underneath the patronage of Joseph, the fatherhood of Joseph, the holy family under the headship of Joseph, the question is, why wouldn't you? Or why wouldn't we? And you and I have statues and images to remind us because we have distractions and we forget because we're sinners, we're weak. And statues remind us of what we are doing and why we are doing what we're doing. You know, we don't need any reminders that you need to wear a mask. Heard enough of those. We need reminders of what's truly important, which is the need for Joseph in this year of Joseph. And Joseph said zero words in Scripture, and it was his silent contemplative heart that led him into Egypt and led the Holy Family out of Egypt so his son could go change the world. So we enter into silence to honor St. Joseph as we prepare to honor him this year, but also to receive his son in the Eucharist in just a moment. What a gift it is to be here. And I think it would be very important that we take a moment of silence to honor Joseph by entering into silence before we receive the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus.